0: Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock teaches a sermon titled, Jesus is Greater, from 1 John chapter 4. Jesus serves as the atoning sacrifice for you, and he loved you first. He doesn't love you only when you've earned it. He loves you unconditionally, right now. Jesus demonstrates his love by sacrificing himself, and he blesses you through his love. To love others, follow Jesus' example by loving them first, without requiring them to earn it. Serve them and love them at your own expense for their benefit. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we are free to be generous with our entire lives for the sake of others. We can lay down our lives for our friends because we already have everything we need in Christ. Every good gift that He has given us, we can use to love others.:
1: Hi, friends!
0: Oh my gosh, It feels like it's been a month since Easter, but allegedly it's
1: only been a week, so we are so grateful that you guys are here. So grateful for you and) Uh, Easter weekend was just a, a phenomenal weekend for our church um, in so many different ways. So many new people came, but more importantly, uh, I just got to see resurrection stories over and over and over again, because that's what's happening here. Yeah. And so what we see in Scripture is the story of, of God doing all of these things all of the time. Uh so we, we believe three things in our church, it's how we make our decisions, it's how we formulate our budget, it's how we figure out what to do next, and that's what our elders do. They pray over that, and they think about that, and they work through that, uh, but what we believe are, are, are simply stated are three things, that there is always hope beyond our brokenness. Amen. We're always going to be a church that talks about the things that are difficult for us, uh, so we're not going to be a church that pretends that we're not human beings with lots of issues because God fixes one thing, and then he moves us on to the next thing, and then he moves on to the next thing. It's like, it's like owning a Volkswagen, right? <laughs> there's always something wrong, something breaking down. That's the way it is. And, but there's hope there because the point of Christianity, the point of following Jesus is not to uh, pretend that you're fine. It's to be in this humble place like we're just saying, uh, we God, God, I need you, right? It's to be in that place of dependence, of surrender, of trust. And second, that's, that's the second thing we believe is that we're called to trust in our risen Savior. Uh, we're going to talk about this today. Uh, it's so easy to move from trusting Jesus to following commands to following principles to all of a sudden you were believing in an idea rather than communicating with a person. That happens quick in our spirits, and we're always tempted to do that Um, because it's easier to follow an idea than it is to follow a person who will actually challenge you and request you to trust him and step out into the unknown. If I'm just following a principle or an idea, then I can apply that to my life whenever it's convenient for me. <laughs> but trusting Jesus is the best roller coaster ride on planet Earth. Oh. You're totally out of control, <laughs> and it's awesome. And third, we get to bring restoration to our community. This world is so weary, everybody is desperate to think could someone love me? And so we don't just love with thoughts and prayers at this church. We bring restoration so that we actually meet people where they are, and we love them to completion. And as we do that together as a community, we find that our worship now has power, that our, our giving now has purpose. I was talking to one one guy, Paul, who plays the piano, and he goes, I've never been excited to give, into a, give to a church except here. And I feel the same way. You know, before it was like, hey, look at me, I'm giving 12 bucks this week, right? Or it was like, I, I, you know, how about I just take care of me first and what's ever left over is God. And now that we're doing these incredible things with people, I'm excited, me personally, I'm excited about how, what else could I do to make someone's life better? Because It works. When you love someone to completion, there's only one thing that happens. Literally, the aroma of Jesus is present, and they know him, and they think to themselves, This is undeniably real because it is. So, we get to choose together every day to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is a choice that we make every day. And so that word, I choose, that phrase, I choose, again, it weighs like 10,000 pounds in your life. It's where your power and your purpose and your intentionality and you taking control over your life and not being a victim to circumstance, but changing whatever circumstance you're in by your choice. And so that's what we choose today and every day as followers of Jesus. So let's declare this together. Let's choose again together as His body, as His church, to follow Him today. Let's, let's pray this. We are disciples who walk intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in His resurrection work. Amen? Amen. So we're in 1 John Again, uh, we're going to be in what we call the Johns, 1st, 2nd, and the 3rd John. Uh, I don't know when we're going to land the plane. Uh, We're just going. Uh, So here it is. Um, But have you heard the story about an angel that appeared at a college faculty meeting at Cal Poly? It's a miracle. He told the dean that in return for his unselfish and exemplary behavior, the Lord God would reward him with the choice of either infinite wisdom, infinite Wealth, or infinite beauty. And the dean, without hesitation, said, I would like infinite wisdom. (laughs) Done, the angel said. Disappeared in a cloud of smoke, a bolt of lightning. And all the other heads of the departments, all the other PhDs were sitting in the room now in the presence of a man given infinite heavenly wisdom. The room was silent. One professor says, say something and the dean looks down and he goes i should have taken the money <laughs> we we have choices before us all the time how do you know what's the right choice how do you know what voices or ideas are right There's like this massive debate between different ideologies in our country over the last four or five years, which feels like it's divisive, but everybody's evangelizing the ideas that they think are true. How do you even know what information to trust? Like we have literally have billions of bits of information clawing at our attention as our phone goes bing, bing, bing every day, every moment of the day if we allow it to. We have more access to information in the palm of our hands, more computing power in the palm of our hands, more access to artificial intelligence than at any point in all of human history, and none of us know what's true anymore. (laughs) There's a a, a journalist, his name is Michael Schellenberger. Um, Michael Schellenberger and a couple other journalists were invited by Elon Musk Uh, when he purchased Twitter to review all of the internal documents in Twitter to discover whether or not there was collusion from political parties or government agencies or foreign entities to try and persuade or uh, suppress uh, people's uh, Twitter accounts. And uh, Michael Schellenberger discovered that a woman named Renee DiResta, who uh, leads the Department of Homeland Security's task force called the Disinformation Governance Board. This lady, Renee DiResta, is, her entire job is to make sure that there's no fake news. <laughs> and, and, and in the Twitter files, they discovered that she had been actively suppressing and providing fake news for political candidates that she didn't want elected. <laughs> I mean, how can you even get oriented as to what is true in this world Uh, when the person tasked with eliminating (laughs) lies in social media is the one spreading them. I mean, like, we need help, amen? (laughs) We need wisdom, amen? Amen. And here's the good news. This is not new. There has never been a point in history where it was like, everybody's like, let's just tell the truth all the time. Right? We've been a hot mess since day one, okay? Uh, and, and, and what happens is that because this world is full of lies, the enemy is never going to try and get you off track with a really big lie. That's easy. We just go, oh, that don't make no sense, right? The enemy gets you off track just slightly, yes. right? It's little slight lies that get you off track. And I was laying a, a, a stone floor. It was actually a concrete paver uh, floor on this pavilion that I helped my friend build. And these each each paver was very affordable, eight fifty from from Home Depot, twenty four inches by twenty four inches of cast concrete, and they weighed literally one hundred pounds apiece. Wow. And uh, so I, we were laying uh, this these paver floors on the ground, and it was my job to lift them. Right. And I was like, okay, all right, here we go, okay. And so I was lifting them, and I got the first one. I don't know if you've ever laid any kind of flooring before, but the first one matters. Oh, yeah. uh, they call that, like in building, the cornerstone, right? Because if that cornerstone <laughs> is off, then like two feet away, it'll make a difference. But 100 yards away, it makes a big difference. And so the first paver stone I laid, I got all dialed in square. It was like perfect. Boom, plum level square. Mm, got it, right? Second one I laid down, had a little bit concrete burrs on the end of it, and there was some like sand that got in, and it was off by like a 32nd of an inch, which is, you know what a firkle is? That's what that is, right? Right? A smidge is like a 16th, right? You know what I'm talking about? Is only guys are like... It's a, right. If you're baking, there's a dash of this or a handful of that. No man knows what that is. Oh, that's like a teaspoon or a tablespoon, right? But there's a furkle and a smidge. I was off by a furkle. It's not a big deal, right? And so the next one I put down, then that furkle became a smidge. And then the next one I put down, that smidge became a quarter past a hair, which is just a little bit longer, right? And that's like, mm, right? And then four pavers later, that's, by the way, 600 pounds, of pavers, I was off by two and a half full inches, and the whole thing was just going like this. Right? And I was like, oh, dang. Looking down the floor, I realized I had to lift all these 100-pound pavers again and line them up correctly because I wasn't way off. I was slightly off, but slightly off matters. Not at first, but down the road. Thomas Jefferson, uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, just Wikipedia him. uh, He said, the price of freedom is constant vigilance. Vigilance is paying attention, being alert, noticing what is slightly off, and, and making the adjustments necessary no matter how much you don't want to lift those 100-pound papers again, right? Every parent in this room, me included, realizes that at some point in your teenager's life that you have made grave mistakes in your parenting. And every teenager in this building knows that their parents are just all messed up. (laughs) Right? So we see what's been slightly off come out and we actually get to make adjustments. So today John is going to teach us vigilance about what we believe about Jesus. John is going to show us how to figure out lies from the truth when it comes to Jesus. John is going to give us practical help for us to understand in real time whether or not we're making choices that are slightly off, which at first might not seem like a big deal, but you wait six months and all of a sudden your life is flying off the cliff. So. I need to ask you something. Are you willing to learn something new today? Yes. Even if it's simple? Yes. Because I know you guys, if you think it's simple, then it just, well, I already know that. And I'm saying this stuff is so simple, but it's so profound. It's just like when you have something in construction and it's like, you know, like a 90 degree angle, right? That's easy, yes? Wrong. I will constantly choose every angle but 90. It's one. It's simple, but it makes a difference to get it. So I'm asking permission to speak to your heart of hearts right now. I'm asking permission to invite you into setting aside, oh, I know all the right answers to hear with fresh eyes and ears something that could change your life for the better. So, would you be willing? Yes. Yeah? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, help us. Oh Holy Spirit, come awaken our spirits and our soul. We agree with Zed's prayers. The enemy can has no place here. Not today, devil. Out! Be quiet, be silent, be gone in Jesus' name. Go to Jesus to be judged. Father, we need ears to hear. There is so much noise in our life. And, and so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us to hear your voice. And Jesus, for anybody in this room that doesn't believe they can hear your voice, if you could just repeat after me. In fact, would you all do this with me right now? I reject the lie, I reject the lie that, I that I can't hear your voice. Jesus, Jesus. I receive the truth that you are my shepherd. And every, and every sheep can hear the shepherd's voice, the shepherd's voice. and I am, I am yours, and I believe I can hear you today. I I hear you today. Amen? Amen? Okay, are you ready? Yes, yes. First John 4, the, these are, the, some of these verses are tattoo-worthy, friends, <laughs> right? I mean, this is, if you're going to put ink on your body, some of these are amazing. Are you ready? Verse 1. Here we go. Dear friends, read this with me. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether or not they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. What in the world does this mean? So first of all, you need to know the Greek understanding or idea of a spirit. It is both literally a spirit, like an angel or a demon, but also simultaneously it is a metaphor. Um, What we would call an idea or an ideal, right? Because spirits talk. Mm -hmm. What does fear say? Be afraid, right? What does pride say? It helps you become prideful, right? Like spirits talk, they say things. Just as like ideas, they say things. They make an argument. Ideals (laughs) say things. Ideologies say things. And by the way, words matter. So prophets speak truth. That's what they claim. So, in, so John is actually kind of uh, reminding his, his people, many of whom were Jewish, to test whether or not what they're hearing in the world is actually true. How did Jews do that? Two ways they did that. Number one, and this would have been knowledge that everybody in the room who was reading this would have known. So I'm catching you up on the context right now. Number one, it would have been this. Is what the prophet's saying actually true? Like meaning, does it come to pass? Right? So if a prophet says this is what's going to happen and it doesn't happen, then what? They're a false prophet, Right? So we all know that the best part of waking up is not Folgers in your cup. (laughs) False prophet, okay? Second thing. If prophets lead you to worship anything else other than God, they're a false prophet. And the thing that prophets will lead you to worship is never like Satan. Like, that's just dumb. Nobody would do that, right? That would be... Now, that's not slightly off. That's all the way off, and all of us would go, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Slightly off would be, hey, yeah, worship God, but also, man, um, there's this new, beautiful idea that also you should just tack on to Jesus. Is Jesus plus? Is Jesus plus, 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 and then all of a sudden, it's only the pluses and not Jesus. Make sense? So that's how you know if the prophets are false. Number one, if what they say don't work, and number two, if they're leading you to worship anything other than Jesus. So advertising slogans are false prophets. They never work out to what it's supposed to be, right? I also don't think that you need to test in prayer whether or not pancakes or the breakfast burrito will lead you closer to Jesus. Does that make sense? John's not talking about that. I mean, everybody knows that it's a breakfast burrito, duh, right? I mean, chicken and waffles will do that. Really, anything on the menu at Little Bits is going to be your set. You're good, okay? John is talking about ideas that that are about Jesus, ideas that float around the church and float around the world that would infect Jesus with the world's priorities and the world's understandings. Does that make sense? That's the context here. So what does John say? First of all, it's this. Don't believe everything you hear. Just because it's said doesn't mean that you should believe it. You actually have to test it. John puts it like this, verse 2. Read this with me. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. The, John's understanding of the Antichrist wasn't like the one person that was going to bring about the end of the world. There's many Antichrists. Anti just means against. Christ means Jesus is Lord. So anything that's against Jesus being Lord is, by definition, an Antichrist. Make sense? Yeah. So there's plenty of them, Right? Uh, so let's just go through this. How can you recognize the spirit of God? Well, every spirit acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. Why does John care about that? Well, it's the context. In John's day, the biggest issue facing the community of believers was the idea that Jesus wasn't actually fully human. He was almost like this, like this philosopher ghost right that came and did really great great things and people and 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 people like believe that and you think to yourself here well that's crazy stupid why would they think that and i'm telling you that's exactly what most of us believe a lot of the times why do i say that because in our society from oprah to even pastors People want to say that Jesus is a visionary and has amazing ideas and ideals, so just follow those ideas and those ideals. Does that make sense? And right there is a separation that makes square from slightly, go from square to slightly off. Have you ever been in a church where you're constantly hearing about principles you need to follow? here are some principles that you need to follow. And pretty soon you're following principles and not Jesus. Jesus doesn't have a body anymore that you're not actually talking to and listening to him. You're not learning how to abide in his literal presence. What you're doing is that now you're going from, well, I'm going to talk to Jesus to Well, that's kind of unrealistic and kind of weird and mystical and how do I talk to Jesus does he really talk to me I don't know how about I just trust his word where there's principles and truth and then I'll just learn his principles and truth and all of a sudden I'm I'm learning about ideas and not talking to the idea maker or giver Can you imagine being married to your spouse, and all you do is read their cards that they give you for Christmas and Valentine's Day, and you're like, well, I don't really want to talk to you. I'm just, uh, what you wrote here just touched me. (laughs) Have you met my wife? She's incredible. (laughs) You would not, but, and she's like, I'm right here, and you're like, just be quiet. I'm reading what you said. It means so much to me. Shh. What? (laughs) you kidding me? You remember that catchphrase, what would Jesus do? Like 20 years ago, everybody started saying, what would Jesus do? And then they got the bracelets and it was awesome. And it really helped because you'd think to yourself in that moment, well, what would Jesus do, right? It's great that all of a sudden you find yourself trying your best to do what Jesus would do But you're not talking to Jesus about, hey, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And then all of a sudden, you're trying to follow his example without his actual presence. And eventually, what would Jesus do slowly, incrementally, slightly off turns into what do I want Jesus to do, which then slightly and actually almost immediately turns into what do I want to do? And can I get God to bless my plan? Right, Or, as the Muslims say, inshallah, oh. meaning that anything that I do must be the will of God because it happened. John warns us, Jesus is a person with a body. He's fully human, talk to him. He's like, I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here. I'm speaking, listen. And then John says that also Jesus is fully God, and any spirit or idea that says that Jesus is anything less than fully God is way, way off. That's not slightly off, that's Antichrist off. And you might say, but Andy, I don't hear people saying in the church that Jesus isn't God. What's that about? Ah, here's how sneaky Antichrist thinking goes. Are you ready? Because this is serious. Roll your shoulders with me. Here we go. Wake up. Pay attention. Jesus, help us to hear. We hear people say this. Jesus, and this is true. In fact, we say this. Jesus stands for truth. Amen? Amen. 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 And then we see people use truth as a way to condemn and shame others who don't believe the truth. Jesus is going to have none of that. To live under the lordship and sovereign rule and reign of Jesus, who is God, means we get to follow all of his directions. There's no room for hate or self-righteousness or condemnation when you're pointing out the truth to a friend. Amen? Amen? So I had a phone call this week with one of my oldest friends. We went to college together, and right now, in the last five years, he's been annoying right? He's been the CEO of multiple companies. He's making just obscene amounts of money. Like, it's just his arrogance has been through the roof. And it's just like, it's been hard. Every time I talk to him, he only talks about himself all the time. It's so annoying because it reminds me of me. (laughs) And so I was hanging out with Debbie, our minister of Razzle Dazzle, and her husband, Dave. and, And I was like, and Because my friend called and I ignored the phone call and they're like, aren't you gonna get the phone call? And I'm like, nah, he's really annoying me, so tough. And then they kind of both looked at me and smiled and I'm like, what? And Debbie says, oh, Andy, um, you know, Dave and I have loved you and been patient with you for 15 years, but like 15 years ago, you were way worse off than your friend is right now. Thank you, Debbie. (laughs) See, I wanted a way out of not having Jesus be fully God in my life. I wanted wanted a way out where I could justify the fact that just because he's being a turd, I can treat him like that. But just because he's being difficult, I can withdraw love. I can withdraw energy. I can just say, nah, I'm not going to love. I'm not going to be kind. And we're like, oh, does he deserve that? No. Do I deserve that? No. Since when does deserving have anything to do with love? Do you and I deserve what Jesus did for us on the cross? No. No. But we're worthy of it because we belong to him. And there's a difference between being worthy of love and deserving love. None of us deserve it because we've earned it, but we're worthy of it because we have a value that is, cannot ever be taken from us, and that is we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Amen. Amen? Well, I don't want to treat him like that. That's antichrist thinking. That's me saying, I'd ra- I want to choose which ones I get to follow when it's convenient for me. Where God is God on a Sunday But on a Sunday afternoon Not so much I'll take his place Don, Then John continues with this, Here it is, this is If you're going to get a tattoo Here you go Are you ready? Here we go You, dear children Are from God And have overcome them Because the one who is in you Is greater than the one Who's in the world Read that again now that you can get the, the grammar of it and put some power behind it, because Brittany Online is going, I didn't hear what you said. Uh-huh. And Zed's grandma needs to hear this. Are you ready? Here we go. Verse 4. You, dear children, are from God. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen. We've all overcome the voices that would lead us to paths slightly off. You are literally here because you can hear your heavenly Father's voice. You know the voice of your shepherd. You know the voice of your Savior. That's why you're here. You've overcome your desire to be healed and transformed by the Holy Spirit now Is a desire to live under his direction and it's working in your life. The things that you struggled with in the past, you're not struggling with anymore. You've gotten different struggles now. (laughs) And those are gonna be healed right now, and then you will, in the six months or a year from now, you'll have different struggles. And congratulations, welcome to adulting, right? (laughs) But it's not just adulting, it's overcoming. It's being healed, it's being transformed because the one who is in you is greater than any snake or evil thing in this world that would lead you away from Him. Amen. Amen. Jesus is greater than all the image and the damage that has done to you. I know some of you have just been wrecked by other people in my life. And everything that the enemy has crushed or robbed or stolen in your life, Jesus can and is and will restore. On Easter Sunday, we spent time in prayer taking back what the enemy has taken. Why? Because Jesus is greater. The enemy can take our joy. We took it back. I take it back right now. I take back my joy. The enemy can't have it. Do you know what that means? It means you're stronger than the devil himself, because the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Amen? Check this out. All this life is temporary. By the way, anybody know their great-great-great-great-grandmother's favorite meal? No. You know what she looked like? No. She's gone, and one day you will be somebody's great-great-great-great-grandmother or grandfather. This world is temporary, and guess what? Everything that the enemy has ever robbed or stolen from you is going to be given back to you and expanded on, where the inheritance that you will have for all eternity will be laughable in comparison to what the enemy tried to take from you. The blessing that God will give you is eternal. The one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. So how do you know which way to go? How do you know which voice to follow? Which idea is right? Here's the simple thing. Told you it was simple. Are you ready? Ask Jesus. (laughs) If you feel like you're having a hard time listening to him, reach out to friends. Ask them to ask Jesus with you. And what will happen is that the voice that you doubted will be confirmed. Remember that Jesus is greater than any rebellious part of your heart. We read that on Friday night. Jesus is greater than my heart. Jesus is greater than the sin. He's greater than the grave. He's greater than the one that's in the world. He's in you. This is your vigilance, as Thomas Jefferson wrote. You being awake, you being engaged, you paying attention to your life, looks like asking Jesus what to do. And it feels, I don't know, maybe too simple. We want to complicate it. That's just our pride. I'm not talking about hours of prayer every day. I'm talking about short, simple prayers all the time. Jesus, what do I do? Jesus, help. Jesus, bear this with me. Jesus, protect them, please. Jesus, I need your wisdom right now. That's what abiding in Christ looks like. It's not being a monk out in the middle of nowhere. It's engaging in your everyday life in a constant communication of abiding with Jesus, asking him what to do. It's in the intent and the action to involve Him in every moment of your life. Again, John gives us a litmus test, a way to know if we're on the right track. Are you ready? Here it is. Verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not know, does not love, does not know God because... Another (laughs) ink-worthy verse, right? How do we know that we're on the right track with our life? It's love. Again, not thoughts and prayers, but loving well. Loving well is sacrificing for another person for their best. It's not just well wishes. It's energy and creativity and generosity. It's your intent to better them. At your cost. My life was forever changed when I was a child because the church loved our family well. My mom, two days before New Year's, left my dad because he was beating her. And what did the church do? They didn't say, oh man, we really hope that that works out for you. No, what they did is that they immediately got us a place to live, paid for the rent for a couple of months, and made sure that we had toys for Christmas. That's what the church did. And then those deacons kept on following up on my mom and got her involved in small groups. And then they made sure that my brother and I were involved in Sunday school because the Sunday school teachers were married to the deacons and they were particularly fond of me. I'm here because someone loved me well. And the next Christmas, when we didn't have a dime to our names, the rent showed up because they knew that we were struggling because they didn't see any new clothes on my brother and I. Right, They saw the safety pins holding our clothes together. They knew that we didn't have any Christmas, and so four days before Christmas, the rent check for the next four months shows up, and a huge box of toys, and my brother and I lost our minds, and my mom was a weeping mess. Hallelujah. They loved us well, and this is in the 80s, <laughs> right? What does loving well look like in your life? John describes it. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. Again, I don't know, you just do this whole chapter on your back, you know, just (laughs) might take an hour or two, but it's worth it. He sent his one and only son into your world. It's in the midst of all of your brokenness and heartache that you might have life in him, through him, with him. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But you're worthy of it. Because this is love. Not that you got your life together and were perfect. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Author James Allen Peterson wrote that one summer as a child he would continually come home late after dark. This is in the days when your parents, uh, nobody under 30 can understand this. But everybody over 30 understands this and longs for these days to return. In the summertime, you would tell your children, don't come back until the first street light came on, right? What they ate, what they did, not your problem, right? That's them, right? I mean, I was gone literally for days. I'd just call my mom and be like, hey, I'm over at Ben's house, and then like the next night, hey, we're over at Austin's house, and the next night, we're over at Jeff's house. She had no idea where I was, no tracker on the phone, no chip implanted, no nothing, like nothing, right? She's just like, I hope he comes home. At one point she said, are you coming home? And I said, I don't know. And she was like, great, have fun, bye-bye, right? So James Allen Peterson, he kept on coming home when it was too dark, right? Because mothers were fine if you had 12 hours of unsupervised play, but the moment that it was dusk and then got to like, you know, like a little bit dark and the kid's not home, then full freak out, right? Twelve hours before, they're fine, right? But full freak out at that point. And his mom says, listen, son, if you can't come home actually on time when dinner is served and you're supposed to be home, you're not going to get a nice dinner like everybody else. You're going to get bread and water. So what happened the next day? James Allen Peterson shows up late, as little boys do, and... Sat down at the table, and there's his dad, steak, potatoes, all the fixings. There's his mom, there's his brothers and sisters, steak, potatoes, all the fixings. In front of him is water and bread. Yeah. And he starts weeping. And his dad, without saying a word, takes the bread and switches plates with him. Dad didn't get up and get more steak and potatoes for himself. Dad only ate the bread that night for dinner. And James Allen Peterson writes this After that day, I never forgot what Jesus is like and how he loves my father, showed me. Please hear me. I'm not telling you this story so you would not give your children consequences. <laughs> give them consequences. Otherwise, they will turn into entitled sociopaths. <laughs> you think I'm joking? No. I am not. Good Lord, give your children consequences yes. and quickly. Yes. I don't even care how old they are. It doesn't matter if they're in their 40s. Give them consequences. You don't stop parenting. No, that's right. The point of this story is this. You'll have the chance to sacrifice for someone. Do it. Sometimes it'll cost you a meal. Give it. Sometimes it will take patience. Patience. Grant it. Sometimes you'll have to tip that waiter so that you won't be able to go out later that week. Tip. Sometimes it will involve being kind to others who are just impossible to be able to be around. Sometimes it will be helping a friend move or taking the risk to help them with their next step. Sometimes it will cost you sleep. And most assuredly it will interrupt your regularly scheduled programming. (laughs) Sacrifice for them. Love them well. We've done an amazing job at this church of being so generous with our finances, but I have an opportunity for you. Our encouragement team um, has been writing cards to people, and the feedback that we've been getting has just been through the roof. So many people have never received an encouragement card ever, and it's changing people's lives. A card? I keep on coming back to this. How much does a soul cost? For some of us, it's like 50 cents. It's literally a stamp and some words that someone else would see you, makes all the difference in the world. So Debbie and Sherrod have put out 200 cards on the back table. Please take one, because we got second service as well. Yeah. Take one, if, you, if you're called to, and send a card to someone this week. You're gonna change a soul for 49 cents. Wait, is it 53? Oh. 55? You're gonna change someone's life for a buck fifty. We'll just be safe, okay? Right? Look, well, I realized this last week of Easter week. My Easter moment this last week was when Jesus taught me on on Good Friday that I've been trying. The reason why I've struggled with pride and worthlessness and toxicity my entire life, because I always felt like I had to earn love. That happened this last week. So to be loved by you is like the greatest gift of my life because I can't earn it and I don't deserve it, but you've shown me that I'm worthy of it. So I feel like I have hundreds of people every week showing me love and proclaiming the gospel and speaking love and encouragement into my life. Now you get to do that for somebody else. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a family friend, maybe it's someone in this church, maybe it's someone in your family that irritates the snot out of you. Maybe you have a friend like I have a friend where you're just like, I can't stand them right now. Send them an encouragement card. And don't say, I like your pants, have a good day, (laughs) right? Or like nice eyebrows, like tell them what they've done in their life, how they've sacrificed for you. So today, I preach the gospel to my own heart, verse 10. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I don't have to earn love. He loves me first. I don't have to be perfect. He chose me first. I don't have to make up for all my past and present mistakes by beating myself up. Jesus already atoned for them, past, present, and future. I don't have to pretend to be perfect. I don't have to inflate inflatable Andy, an inflatable Andy who's perfect and wonderful, right? I don't have to inflate that person because that person can't ever receive love. I could just be real with you right now and I can be real with Jesus and with me. And I don't have to be greedy with my time and money and energy because I'm so exhausted inflating inflatable Andy and pretending to be perfect. And now that I don't have to spend time inflating perfect Andy and inflatable Andy, I actually have more energy in my life. And so then that leads me to be able to be generous with my time and energy and love for other people. (laughs) And then what happens? What happens when you believe and abide in Christ When you talk to Him every single day, all throughout the day, and you're reminded that He loves you, and He loves you, and He loves you, all of a sudden, you have energy in your life. All of a sudden, you have joy in your life. All of a sudden, you have peace in your life. You've taken back what the enemy has stolen, and then out of you comes overflowing life, and you love. So I praise God for you. Because you've loved me back to life. And my question to you is who's next? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, bless and seal all the good things that you've spoken in worship and through your word and the gospel into the hearts of my friends. Lord Jesus. Bless all these good seeds that you've planted, and may they grow into life. Would you bring fruit out of this? Would you bring a harvest beyond anything that we could ever imagine because of what you've been done here today and what you've been doing in our lives these past months and years? And I pray against the, all the enemy's plans to rob, steal, and destroy what you've done here now in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. Show us who that card needs to go to and who we need to love well this week. And I pray a special anointing on each person here that as we talk to you, Jesus, and abide in your presence, that we'd be able to hear your voice and feel your nearness and experience your love in a deeper way than ever before. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand for the benediction? We have amazing food for you. If you see Barb out there, Barb Cotton, who does the food, wish her a happy birthday. Or it's her birthday tomorrow. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance. That's His delight in you. Give you peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the
0: Holy Spirit. And all God's people said,
1: Amen. have a great day, y'all.
0: Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Ferrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.